Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,386. This week on Cars Yeah, we're celebrating the inaugural Chattanooga Motor Car Festival that takes place October 11th through the 13th in 2019 at the Westin Hotel in Chattanooga's West Village. You can learn more about this inaugural event at ChattanoogaMotorCar.com. You're taking what your mind is saying is dangerous, don't go there, and saying it's okay. You have that mental aspect. You fight with yourself. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator. And you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from the beautiful Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri, Dorsey Schrader. Dorsey, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? All my life, buddy. Never unbuckled. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. This will be great. Dorsey Schrader is the competition director for the Chattanooga Motor Car Festival's time trials. He is currently the competition director for the HSR and Trans Am Chief Steward and since 2015 has served as race director for the World Challenge Series. As a member of the SCCA Hall of Fame, Dorsey's career as a race car driver has earned him 40 professional races and 242 starts, including 17 Trans Am Series wins. In 1971, at the age of 18, he became the first person under the age of 21 to be issued an SCCA National Competition License. He won numerous championships throughout the 90s and in recent years competed in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship races at Daytona and Sebring in the prototype class. He has served as a color analyst for Fox Sports 1 and was a color analyst for the Speed Channel when it was around. So I'm hoping I can learn a little bit from you today, Dorsey, as a broadcaster. I have told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little more about your racing career and a very obvious passion that you have for automobiles? Well, obviously, being uh, the youngest uh, in 1971 makes me pretty old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm right there with you, buddy. It's a good thing to be old. That means we're still here. (laughs) That's better than the other, I guess, you know. Yes, Uh, absolutely. I've spent my entire life uh, in in the automotive industry racing and 
you know, my dad was a car dealer and, and he was a racer also. And so I grew up in it. I mean, I, I'm a product of the environment, if you will. And, you know, and certainly have, have had my share. It's kind of interesting. I mean, one of the neatest things in the world is the fact that, you know, 1971, you think about what the cars were then and, uh, you know, what racing was in 1971. And then fast forward it to, to now and, uh, the technology level is just rampant crazy compared one thing to the other. I mean, a, a race car in 71 was a hot rod. It was it was somebody's idea from the backyard, from the garage, how to modify a car and make it quicker. And uh, there wasn't much technology to it, and there wasn't much parts availability to it either. So, I mean, basically, the car back then was you, you'd go get Coney shocks, uh, which were the only yeah. shocks that were performing shocks. And we didn't know if they were good or not, but they said they were, so we bought them. Brake yeah. pad, same thing. There wasn't a lot of brake pad uh, technology. There wasn't a lot of race tire technology. I remember running these uh, Firestone, we call them chicken treads. They had these little chicken footprints on them. Uh, <laughs> they weren't slicks yet, but, um, yeah. you know. So y- you go from that and you go through 48 years of, of development and of learning and and you get to kind of where we are now it's all i've ever done for me to get into the you know to sustain a life and and sustain a business in racing is extremely difficult to do over a long long period of time so you have to be adaptable you have to be able to duck and dive and, and 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 find ways to continue on and some of that was television some of that was you know um everything you just you know, you did what you have to do to stay in the business. And, um, you know, then you, you bob and weave just like anybody else. You know, there's ups and downs in the sport. Uh, there's ups and downs in every career, you know. And But to stay there and be committed to it uh, takes a big endeavor. That's what uh, that's what I've been about. You know, I feel a little deja vu-ish here because yesterday we had your good friend Jim Pace on the show. And between you two Southern boys with your accent and your careers and lives, I feel like I'm talking to the twin brother here or something. It's just, it's pretty cool. <laughs> you know what? Uh, here's, here's a funny deal. Jimmy Pace, when he, yeah. when he started his career, and I don't know if he told you the story or not, you know, he was, he was in line to be a doctor as his father is. Yes, I know. You know, and he gave up that career because he wanted to race. And I was his driving instructor at Skip Arbor Racing School. I met him when he made that decision, a career move in his life, and I was his instructor. And then I was his oh, younger. I didn't know. Oh my yeah, gosh! Wow. I, I was cool. his instructor, and then I was younger. His younger brother Will came through next as a as a student, and I was his instructor. And then his father, you know, the doctor comes through, and and so I've, I taught the entire family, and they all raced together, all three of them. And uh, at Skip Arboration School, where I was an instructor at the time. And so I've known wow. those guys uh, for a long time. <laughs> well, it, we are all in the family here then. This is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, listen, as we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra, something that's been important in your life. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah, I know you love to drive. So, Dorsey, take the wheel. You know, um, one of the things... I started driving, so I was driving race cars when I was, uh, you know, 14, 15 years old, but you couldn't turn pro 
you couldn't even get a license or go through a driving school back in the day until you were uh, 21 years old. Uh, the SCCA Sports Car Club of America, they changed their ruling about that uh, in 1971. They decided that they would allow 18-year-olds. Now, you had to go through a lot of you had to go through a lot of stuff. You had to get documentation. You had to get your parents' permission. You had to get everything notarized and signed off. In 1971, they allowed 18-year-old drivers for the first time in the history of the United States. And I was the very first driver ever to accomplish that in 1971. And I had just turned 18 years old by a month. Uh, January 1st came around. My birthday is February 5th. And so I was... uh I was working, I already had an autocross car, which is a timed event car, similar to what we're going to do in Chattanooga on the time trials. It's one car at a time against the clock. And so I was doing that kind of thing uh, back in high school. I was a senior in high school, but I was the first one licensed. And uh, and I, so when I heard this decision came down that I could be 18 and drive, I just went ahead and took the windshield out of my car, cut the windshield pillars off and the roof off and you know my dad my dad who was a car dealer and like i said he raced before he he uh he came in for dinner one night went to the garage and saw this uh car i was driving to high school was it changed quite a bit and uh so we sat down at the dinner table that night and he said to me he said uh hey i went by your car i see it's got no windshield on it and i said yeah now yeah. And he said, well, why would that be? I said, well, they changed the ruling, you know, that you can be 18. So I'm going to go, I'm going to start racing next month. He goes, really? I went, yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so my mom's sitting there looking at me and my dad's sitting there and my brother and sister. And, and, and then he goes, well, let me ask you this question. What are you going to take to school when you drive to high school in the morning? I said, well, I figured I'll take mom's station wagon and I'll, I'll take that to school. He goes, that was your second mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Oops. Yeah. And so um, anyway, it all came to to be and, and I ended up being the youngest guy and started. Yeah. And I was, he said, no, you're, you're going to drive that car to school. So I did drive that in the winter of 1971, oh. St. Louis, Missouri. And it was really cold. And, uh, yeah, no kidding. So I had a I had the first Bell Star helmet, which was the first of the looked like a diving bell on your head. And, and yeah. so I'd I'd put that helmet on in the morning and I'd go to school with a coat on. It was cold. Whew. It was about thirty miles from the house to the school. And, oh my gosh. Yeah, but so I did that and every day. I didn't get much date activity after I did that, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's definitely the story that instigated your passion for racing. That's for sure. My gosh. Uh, you know, it's pretty funny. I guess if you only have one car to drive and race, you just make them both work. And things were certainly different back then. So uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, you've, you've picked a, a career that was fraught with ups and downs. And I talked about this with Jim. I've had hundreds of racers on this show. You know, one weekend you're a winner. The next weekend you're looking for a ride. Um, it's a tough, tough haul. And the fact that you and somebody like Jim have made an entire career out of it, moving into television and uh, teaching others how to drive and being a mentor and a coach and all the things you've done, they're just fantastic. But no doubt you've been faced with some challenges, maybe a failure or two. And I'd love for you to walk us through one. 
in detail, but more importantly, what were the lessons learned from that so that you could move forward? You know, you, you never know what obstacles are going to come your way um, in the racing endeavor. There's all the normal simplistic things that at the time seem like they're insurpassable, blown up engines where you don't have enough money to buy another one, or wrecks that you can't, you just can't have enough money to fix at the time. And in the next race is coming up, it's in your face and you got to do something. Yeah, you know, but those are little obstacles when you look back at over the, a, a long time frame, you know, you see worse things than that where your friends get injured or even killed. And that takes a that takes a big part out of it, you know. Because I mean, that, that's the reality of of what we do, is that sooner or later somebody will get hurt and somebody will have a catastrophe, and then you've struggled through all of life's turmoil. But those are hard, and to get over those are hard. Yeah, you know. And the day we're recording this, uh, yesterday we lost a past cars yeah guest and a racer Jesse Combs. Yeah, um, this is a land woman. speed yeah, record. She, yeah, quite a, a, just, an extraordinary woman, and, and oh, incredible person. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the people that do that, they they take the biggest risk yet. When you're doing land speed on the water or on the on the land, you know, you're you're pushing envelopes that are uh, way up there. I mean, they're they're just like not conceivable to a normal person, as. Most of the race cars nowadays, even current race cars, are not conceivable to a person. It's hard to convey to someone who just drives a street car, even a fast one. You know, even something a hot rod that you built. It's it, it's still so much out of the ele- element that the new cars can obtain the speeds and the and the g forces they can generate, and the you know their braking potential is so far above what most people can comprehend. I mean, that was one of the hardest things growing up uh, and going through ranks of racing is that when you you started getting into these prototype cars that are so potentially better than your mind can conceive, you have to trust the cars better than you are, and it is. And that that's a difficult decision to make. You're taking what your mind is saying is dangerous, don't go there, and saying, it's okay. You have that mental aspect. You fight with yourself. Well, I've had uh, hundreds of racers on the show, and I remember talking to some that the first time they'd go to Indy to race the Indy 500, and they'd be going through corners, and their everything in their brain would be telling them to lift off. And their coaches would be telling them, you can't. You can't lift there. you you got to keep your foot into it. And your whole sense is saying, what? What yeah, do you I mean? mean? I... These, these cars, it's, you run through a plateau. You go through, and, and as fast as your mind says you should go, and the car is, is very nervous and is very uncomfortable, and your mind is saying, you know, back away, back out, you know, you're going to wreck, and you haven't reached the potential of the car yet. The car then, at the next step, if you push it beyond that limit, through downforce and through, you know, arrow picks up grip and and so when you blow through that plateau all of a sudden the car's happy again it's very comfortable now but when you get to that point when you get at that very exact level where things don't feel good at all it takes a lot to push it through i can't imagine i can't imagine well 
You know, a, a, a big condolence to Jesse Combs' family and friends and her fans. Absolutely. Uh, just a horrible loss. She was so wonderful. And, and having had her on this show, and I got to interview her at the Costa Mesa Car Show as well and got to meet her in person, she had a spirit about her uh, that was really special, just a sparkle about her and a testament to living life to its fullest and doing what you dream of and being an inspiration that was Jesse Combs. So, it, it's uh, funny because, you know, I knowingly pushed myself to that limit. You know, I knowingly put myself in harm's way. And when I would successfully complete the weekend, I always would treat myself to this monster dinner of steak and lobster mm. or whatever. <laughs> it was my reward for being alive, you know? Yes. It, yeah. And it was... yeah. It's kind of why I got too much weight on me now, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll do it. Yeah, steak and lobster will do it. That's for sure. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's have a little bit of fun here and talk about your first really special vehicle. Now, this could be a first car that you finally got, or maybe it's the first time you got into what you deemed a real race car, and you sat there and went, okay, I've made it. This is where I want to be. What was that vehicle? Maybe share a memory you have about that ride. Uh, you know, I was spoiled having a car dealer father and so forth. My dad did something that was unique to both me and my brother. And he uh, he gave both of us, when we were like 14 or 15, a car from the dealership that got traded in or whatever that needed a lot of work. And he gave it to us. He said, okay, mine was a Fiat Abarth, which was a pretty cool car at the time. 67 and he said okay here's the car but you know it needs this this and this done to it uh you got two years before you're 16 he goes i'll pay for it all but you're going to do it all and we had this english uh english uh parts manager service manager named victor yardley uh long deceased rest in peace um who was a consummate english you know, gentlemen. Well, what a name, too. Yeah. I mean, just yeah, Victor goes, Yardley. Yeah. How, how can that yes. not be a race thing? So, anyway, he uh, he taught me and he helped me with all the things I had to do to fix my car. My brother did the same thing. And so, you know, that first car, which uh, is still in existence and still in perfect shape, I sold it to a guy after I quit racing that. And uh, he's had it in the garage now. His father passed away and had a big printing business and so he took over that printing business and he lost his lust for cars and then that car is sitting there and I want it back really badly so I went from that that was an H production car it was pretty slow it was like almost the slowest class if not the slowest class in the SECA conundrum of cars and then all my dad's buddies who you know were racing and messing around too said hey your kid there is pretty damn good get him out of that old car and give him something so I went from the went from the very slowest class to Formula B, which is now Formula Atlantic, that which was the very fastest class, and that was an old Brabham BT35, which now is worth a jillion dollars, and oh, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I so I I made this monster transition from this slow little old streetcar uh, foreign car into uh, just short of Formula One, and wow. and I drove the whole first year. We bought it. There's no instruction manual when you buy a race car. Uh, no. <laughs> right. No. So I didn't know that it was a five-speed transmission, and I didn't know where first gear was. And so oh, I goodness. drove it like a four-speed. I, I started in second gear, which is up and forward. And it took yeah. me a, a year or so before I even 
Hey, but there's it, another gear here in overdrive. Yeah, and I didn't know how to adjust shock absorbers or ride heights or, you know, roll bars or any of that. I just like, I just drove it to my potential. So, I mean, that, that was a special time in my life. And then, like I said, the, the, the coolest thing in the world is to sustain a 40 plus year career and to learn as you go to the extent that I am now that I have an understanding of aero and, and suspension and engine management and engine stuff and electronics. I would have never, ever, ever achieved what I'm where I am without racing. How fun. Well, cool little car. Is there a vehicle you've owned in your life that you've let go that you wish you still had? Is it that Fiat? That yeah, that that would be the only one. Because I've had yeah. so many other things, you know, and going through that many years of having all these different cars that you don't own them, you just drive them, you know. And then, yeah. I mean, when you look at like I drove the Audi LMP1 R8, and Ooh. yeah, oh. like it, it's the baddest thing on the planet. Never got beat, oh, yeah. ever, you know. So I mean, to get to that level, then there's nothing yeah. that's comparable on the street, no, you know. And even no. if there was, I wouldn't want it. Because I'm, I'm such a, you know, down in the Florida Keys where I live, the speed limit is 45. So what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, you get to drive fast on the track, and that's where everybody should be driving fast. You know, yes. don't be doing it on the streets. Yeah. It's too dangerous these days. But, I mean, boats, you know, boats are still my passion, and they're crazy. Oh, you know, yeah. I posted on, on, if you look up my, um, go online and look up my internet Facebook. I posted a book that went by my house yesterday morning at 205. Now, what? Yeah, that, and that seems weird for most people, but not here. Lake of the Ozark oh my is home to the gosh. fastest boats in the world. 205. What is that like a cigarette boat or something? No, it's a, that was a 38-foot, uh, it's called MTI, which is oh, a catamaran okay. with uh, yeah. twin 1,500 horsepower V8s in it. And that's oh my gosh. actually slow because the record down here is 244. Oh, jeez. With a 52-foot boat. Yeah, it's, we have a race every oh. year called the, the Lake of the Ozark Shootout, or L-O-T-O Shootout. And that just ran last week. Unfortunately, I wasn't here. I was at a race somewhere else. But it is it is incomprehensible as to the speed and to the amount of people that show up and from all over yeah. the world. And it's, it's, wow. it's just, think about the semi-trailer that holds all the race cars for NASCAR. That's 53 foot long, but it's only about 10 foot, 12 foot wide. So the boat's 53 foot long, and it's 20 some odd feet wide, and it goes 244 miles an hour. Incredible. Yeah, Yeah, those things are. Those things are mind-boggling. They scare me. I mean, it's just kind of yeah, me too. Yeah, they should absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about driving and having fun. I want you to talk about uh, your role in the inaugural Chattanooga Motor Car Festival, being the competition director. Jim shared a little bit yesterday about what this new event's all about, but you're in charge of a fun part of this event. So let's talk about that. What's going to involve? Well, Byron DeFore is is quite an eclectic guy. Strange to some, whatever. He loves his cars. He put this thing together out of his own mind. I drove for him in the 50-plus racing car the last... You know, they Jim Pace drug me out of retirement after 14 years. <laughs> I don't know if I hate him for that or not. I'm still thinking about it. 
But anyway. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. He drags me out of retirement and puts me in the situation. But they're all really cool guys. They're all older guys. You know, 50 plus is supposed to be 50 years old or more. Well, it should be 60 plus, quite honestly, because we're all up there a bit. But, you know, you talk about Byron runs it, Jim runs it, me, David Hinton, and, uh, you know, Brian Johnson from ACDC. You couldn't have more fun than what we had. And we, but we took it serious. I mean, we, 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 we ran as hard as we could and we did good. We came in seventh at 24 Daytona two years in a row. And then, you know, it, it, yeah, it was, it was a monumental effort. And so then Byron out of the clear blue decides he wants to do the Chattanooga Motor Fest. And he's like, what do you think about, cause Chattanooga is an absolutely beautiful area. It's a gorgeous town. He has invested a lot of his time and money and his brother and everybody. And he said, you know, I want to do like a Goodwood in, in Europe. And I want to put on a time trial. And I want to put on a rally in the Concord Elegance. And I want to, you can't tell him no. No. He doesn't do no. <laughs> he's not a no first. guy. No, he's not a no guy. <laughs> and so off he goes on on this this deal. And then, but he's contagious, you know. If you sit there and listen to him, if he starts going down a path, he'll draw you into it. And then so, you know, so this hill climb is going to be a hill climb similar to what, you know, Goodwood is. It's going to go down through the bridges, down alongside the river, and it's going to run up up the hill 1.3 miles. And at the very top, there'll be a U-turn at the top at 180. It'll all be blocked off and barricaded off and 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 the cars can go up there, and, and we're going to have every kind of car from old, 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 old race cars, pre-war, all kind of that, like that, up to the most current stuff. And, and current supercars are just just unbelievable. A C8 Corvette or you know, or McLaren or one of these cars is beyond like I was talking about before. It's not what people can comprehend as being fast because they've never felt anything like that. You know, and it's electronically controlled, uh, traction control and, and braking and so forth. So we, we put up a, a, a course and it's not a race course. It's a street. You know, we're going up the street and we're going to put hay bales and things on the side to try to protect stuff that's in the way. But I mean, this is a, this is one of those Walter Mitty deals, you know, where I want to be a race car driver. I'm going to take my. 700 pound, 700 horsepower car and run up this thing as fast as I can. And, and so I helped design it, you know, and we're trying to, we're trying to figure out this is where it gets difficult. You know, older cars are slow. They're not going to go that fast, but newer cars, more modern cars are incredibly quick. And so we need to make it as safe as we can yet still for the crowd, the spectators put on a show. And so everything's exposed downtown. The, the paddock, where the paddock is, where all the race cars are staged and where the guys are working on them and where they'll be when they're not on the track. And you can walk up in there and you can touch those cars and you can shake the hand of the driver that's going to drive. And, you know, you can, you can be there and, and listen to the roar. And I guarantee you one thing, when these, when these powerful cars start up that hill, even though the, the West End, which is the, the main base for the whole thing, is six, ten blocks away, 
you will feel it. You're going to feel not going to only hear it. You're going to feel it. I mean, that that's one of the amazing and wonderful things about racing that television doesn't cover. No matter how good we were or no matter how good we tried to be, you can't replicate the sound. You can't replicate the smell. You can't replicate the vibration that happens. And so to be there is, is monumental. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I think it's a really cool deal. And anyone who's watched the um, races that took place in Goodwood, where they run up the hill, yeah. uh, will understand exactly what we're talking about. You know, I'll tell you, my wife's never really been into cars. She tolerates my passion, and she <laughs> she loves and champions my passion for cars. But when we were first married back in the early 80s, they were racing, uh, IMSA GTP cars are racing at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. And I and did that. I did that race three times. Did you? Okay. Well, we probably watched you run. You did. You definitely did. I can, we could literally walk there and I I convinced her to come and watch the races. She kind of did it begrudgingly. She became a race fan that day. I mean, she just said, this is the way you watch racing. You watch it live. That was a difficult track too. I'll tell you that. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, La Jolla, that, that was a horse race track. You know, yeah, around yeah it. exactly. Yeah, my it daughter. Was, it was my fun, daughter but... lives there. That's ironic that you even bring that up. My daughter is a performer. She's a singer songwriter, and oh, uh, okay, she, and she lives in La Jolla and, and performs there okay. all the time. Well, that's where I grew up, La Jolla, and Del Mar is just the next city north. And so when my wife and I got married, that's where we lived. And uh, yeah, she uh, she really loved it. I mean, she came home all excited and fired up. So that's that's pretty cool. Well, I'll remind our listeners. Just go to ChattanoogaMotorCar.com. You can learn all about this event. It's October 11, 12, 13. And if you're fortunate enough to be in that part of the world, you should go and attend this event. Have some fun. So, Dorsey, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10 percent off your order that's edelbrock automotive performance since 1938 you take care of your cars but who takes care of your investments tune-ups aren't just for engines updating your financial plan is important too your gps may take you from a to b but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified. And he's a car guy, too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com. Or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador 
for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah! website at carsyeah.com. All right, Dorsey, I have a bit of an introspective question for you here. I'm going to get into your brain a little bit. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car, not what you want to be, but you were actually manifested into a car, what would you be and why? I'd be an Italian car. Ferrari would be the top of my list. But if I didn't if I didn't achieve that goal, then I would be something just short of that. A Maserati or an Oscar or something from the 50s that I oh, think cool. was the sexiest, you know, absolutely best-sounding bad little car the whole world ever ever seen (laughs) i love it i love it well we are entering the last lap here this is a place you've been many times the white flag is out time to put our foot into it and i'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of the throttle answers so here we go what's the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received be safe ah yeah all the time everywhere would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Um, concentration, commitment. Yeah, definitely, especially being an endurance racer. Now, how about a resource? There's so many these days. Is there one you'd like to share? Um, Ford Motor Company helped me beyond belief. Uh, Jack Roush and the entire Ford community, they covered me. Nice. Yeah, great cars for sure. I uh, love the new Ford GT. Got to see a bunch of those when I was down at Monterey Pebble Beach Car Week. Oh, man, those things are sexy. Yep. Great-looking cars. <laughs> now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? Well, I've had a lot of drinks and a lot of dinners with a lot of guys, you know. So uh, I'd have to reach back, way back, and go Jim Clark. Oh, gosh, yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Jimmy Clark, definitely. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy reading as well? Well, Racing in the Rain made me cry. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the movie yet? No, and I won't. <laughs> you won't? <For> <laughs> you don't want to be crying in the theaters yet? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, Gar Stein uh, was a guest on the show here. He lives up here in the Northwest near me. And uh, i tell you, when I had him on the show three and a half years ago, he was just kind of dreaming about a movie. And here we are. Thanks well, to Patrick cool. Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey came in there and, and bought the rights to that. And I talked about that, but I told him I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'll tell you something funny, uh, Dorsey. I was listening to the book, audio book, working in my side yard. It was a couple summers ago and we got to the end. It's a sad, I'm not going to give anything away, but it's rather sad. And my neighbor walks around the corner. And I guess I had some tears in my eyes and she goes, what's wrong? And I go, Oh, you're not going to believe what happened. And I'm not yeah, going to give it good, away. But, good book. <laughs> yeah. But I said, this is a great book. And she just kind of laughed. And she goes, ah, oh, a book about racing. And I said, well, it's a lot more than racing. But, yeah. Uh, most definitely. I'm definitely. a dog guy. All right, Dorsey, we're up to the checkered flag here, a place you've been many times. I'm going to ask you a question uh, and see what kind of answer you come up with. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car, vintage race car, whatever you want today. But there are a couple rules to this game. One is, you have to drive it. No garage queens allowed here. Uh, also, you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with, so that little trick's off the table. But it's the only collector car you can have in your garage, so that makes your choice very important. What can I buy you? Well, that's a tough one right there. I mean, off the top of my list, I'd say F40, but if I look back in time, I can think of some pretty cool stuff that was, you know, in the day, launches and things. You know, if you got to drive it on the street, 
you know, F40 be really cool. There's no doubt about that. I think that was a, in my day and time, I, it was one of the most sexy cars I've ever seen. And I was proud and, and still I'm proud to beat the factory team with two of those at Watkins Glen in the New York Times 500 in my Mercury Cougar. So oh my gosh. Those guys. Well, and we, we exchanged driver suits, me and Robbie Gordon exchanged with Elio D'Angelis. And I don't even remember oh who, my gosh. but it was, that was a monster moment for me. I, I'll never forget that. Oh my gosh. Well, I think that's a great choice for a guy who's been there, done that. Dorsey, you have taken me on a great ride today. I had so much fun talking with you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Ford F40? Never exceed your abilities. Be safe and have fun. Absolutely. And again, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about the inaugural Chattanooga Motor Car Festival? You know, Chattanooga's building that thing's going on like crazy right now. You know, we've got sponsorship from Volkswagen of America. We've got sponsorship from Coca-Cola. You can't get on any website without finding ChattanoogaMotorFest.com. Look it up. It's going to be a absolute blast. It's not just the race, the hill climb. You know, there's a concourse to Elegance. There's a rally that goes up through the mountains. Beautiful Chattanooga that time of year. And, and there's car shows. I mean, this will be the biggest car deal going on and it's uh it's going to be worth being there absolutely i remind our listeners it's going to take place october 11 12 13 in 2019 at the weston hotel and chattanooga's west village go to chattanoogamotorcar.com and learn a lot more dorsey thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your amazing life experiences with the cars yeah listeners until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. Thanks, Mark. We'll have a beer together. There you go. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!